I just realized that your face mask is national parks. Really? It is. Look at it. Look I at know, it. I know. I saw that. Oh, the my God. I it literally <laughs> says Yellowstone, <laughs> like, right by her nose. Nomadic cowbirds. And poking the puffballs. I like turtles. And lightsaber frog calls. Fresh steamy scat filled with persimmon seeds. Hey there. I'm Lindsay. I'm Rachel. And we're with our friend Ashley Locke. And we're from the Great Plains Nature Center. Ashley's not, but me and Rachel are. And you're listening to That's My Favorite, the podcast where we geek out with naturalists. Um, I will say that we are all wearing face masks so that we can safely sit within close proximity of each other and um, keep our germs to ourselves. So if our voices sound a little weird, forgive us for that. But we're just trying to keep everybody safe. And keep our droplets out of your ears. Ew. <laughs> Yeah, that. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. Ashley is one of the uh, folks in our area who does quite a bit of environmental education, um, but she, I think, is going to talk about like something totally different besides educating people. <laughs> I do want to say that Ashley is also one of our amazing volunteers. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. We should have definitely pointed that out. So thanks, Lindsay. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me today. <laughs> I'm actually really excited to talk about your topic. So, Ashley, what is the favorite thing that you wanted to talk about today? So, um, if you haven't guessed, it's going to be the national parks because I'm mildly obsessed with them. So, <laughs> Define mildly obsessed. Like, what does that look like in your daily life? And tell um, us why. Well, so, all of my face masks now are national park themed. I've got a little bit too much, like, national park merch. The... Our refrigerator at home is just covered in national park magnets. We've got national park calendars everywhere. It's just it's it's a little bit um, of a theme going on at home. Um, so <laughs> that's cool. So instead of decorating your house with like sea turtles or elephants, you just have national park stuff. Oh yeah, we've got a map that has um, all the different parks on it that we put pins in to try and show like where I've been and all that stuff. And just it's really really fun because when you come home, it's just all these memories. So. Aww. You're kind of like one of those uh, eccentric moms, but instead of having like roosters everywhere, it's, it's <laughs> national park paraphernalia. That's exactly what I meant by that. <laughs> Essentially, yes. So yeah, I love it. I didn't realize how deep this went. <laughs> I don't think I did either. But it's really cool. I like that all your face masks kind of go along with your obsession. Yeah, I thought it'd be just kind of fun, and then, you know, when I'm out and about getting ready for the day, I can just be like, oh, yes, Yellowstone, you know, so. <laughs> okay. Um, you didn't answer Lindsay's second question, which was, why? Why? Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so, like, growing up, my dad was really, really big and getting me outside and taking me places and really getting me into nature. He is like the reason why I decided to become an environmental educator um, because I don't think my dad really realized it, but he kind of was one too. Aww. And so he would constantly, um, like I learned how to um, count by counting like crabs and little tide pools and things like that. And Ashley. So <laughs> <laughs> my, draw, my jaw just dropped so much that like pulled my face mask like off of my face. <laughs> like that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Like he would just take us out and do all of those really fun things and he was so big on making sure we were out in nature as much as possible um and so 
we lived um, on a boat growing up and we were able to then go and spend time in different areas and things. Um, and one of the places you would take me would, was the uh, Virgin Islands National Park. Um, so Ooh. we have pictures of me as like this tiny little baby sitting on the Virgin Islands National Park beach and things like that. So it's really, really kind of cool. Um, unfortunately, I don't remember any of that. Oh. Um, <laughs> and when, because my dad's originally from Kansas, so when we moved back up, he still continued to do all of those different pieces. But we don't have a whole lot of national parks like really, really close to Kansas City. Yeah. Um, so it was a while before I really then got back into going to national parks. Um, after I graduated high or college and was looking for jobs and all that kind of stuff, one of my friends recommended the National Park Service. Mm. And they're like, you know, you can be an educator there and it'd be really cool. And so I applied to a bunch of different national park jobs and didn't get any of them. Oh. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally fine. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to try and see some of these parks. You know, I finally don't have to study for finals and all that stuff. So I'm just going to go and see. So I called up my best friend and I'm like, hey, you want to go to Yellowstone? And she was like, sure. So we ended up going on a road trip um, to Yellowstone and we had absolutely the best time. And that ended up starting um, this whole just kind of obsession with it where I just wanted to get out and see as many of them as possible and get to experience everything that was going on in our country and just get to see all of that. I very much resonate with that because I like traveling to places. And I think one of the things that sticks out in my mind from what you said about like enjoying our own country is that a lot of Americans think that they need to go to really far places to really experience new like landscapes and stuff, but some of the most incredible places that I've experienced myself are actually like 250 miles from here, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. It's like right in our own backyards and a lot of people tend to overlook it because it's not exotic, oh, like absolutely. going to Europe. <laughs> well, and when the um, national parks really first started um, to be formed, that was one of the big things that people were pushing, especially the um, transcontinental railroad and things like that was see america because they didn't want all of those tourism dollars going overseas they mm. wanted people to come and see glacier and yellowstone and yosemite and all of those things um so that was a big draw initially for it and you know and i'm the same way like if i go and go to the mountains i just feel so um regenerated and just so relaxed and everything it just makes me feel like a new person and then when I come back I'm like okay I'm ready for whatever's gonna happen Lindsay Seriously. just had like praise worship band hands like at the sky for national parks yeah, like I, I bow down to those mountains because they do the same thing for me it's kind of crazy <laughs> and it's like maybe the original like push to promote national parks had to do with like financial stuff but it's also like because we have really amazing parks, you know, mm -hmm. and it, like they are destinations and they should be destinations because like America's lands are so freaking cool mm -hmm. and like varied. I think that's one thing that makes our country so cool just because uh, there's there's so much land. And yeah, there's so yeah. many different like it's just huge. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, there you can go and just see, you know, one of the uh, world's largest reefs and everything off the coast of Florida and dry what? tortugas. I didn't um, even know that. It's I what? think it's like the fifth largest reef in the world, something Co- like that. Coral reef? Mm-hmm. Um, what? Yeah. Florida? Yep. Oh, my God. Which side? <laughs> that side. <laughs> the, Wait, the side, the side by okay. the Pacific. That's Atlantic. the Atlantic. My Atlantic. Bad. I know geography and oceans. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> not the Gulf of Mexico side. If I'm no, looking at Florida so. like on a map, is it on the right or left side of she the She said peninsula? it was on the right. Hold on, let me get you. I think it's confusing <laughs> me because she's sitting opposite of me and she was like waving this hand. I'm like, that's the left. No, Lindsay, you got to like imagine yourself. I know. It's like organic chemistry. You have I to know. rotate it in your mind Gosh, and then find the handedness. Mm. <laughs> okay. Thank God there was a curve in that class. <laughs> same seriously (laughs) so but yeah the um the island itself has a a fort on it that was built during the civil war um and so you have to access it by either boat or seaplane or whatever um but there is a lot of reef around the area um biscayne national park also has a large amount of reef um it's a lot of it is underwater um so you can do a lot of snorkeling and things like that there um, you can go to Denali and see the largest peak in North America. Yes. Um, you got the Grand Canyon. We've got Yellowstone that has um, like half of the world's geysers in it. Um, Wind Cave has 95% of the world's boxwork formation in it, which is just amazing. Like there's so many amazing things that we have here in the U.S. to get to see. And a lot of people just don't know what's available and what's out there and just how amazing it is. I what am... is... Oh, sorry. You're going to say something profound. I just want to know what box work it is. It wasn't at all profound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just going to say that I'm mentally already planning my next trip. <laughs> oh, see, that was not profound at all. I am always mentally planning my next trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> it's fair. Especially now that we're all stuck at home and oh, we're yeah. yearning for those days to come back. <laughs> Oh, what is box work? So box work is a type of cave formation. Um, it's up on the ceiling of the cave a lot of times. And so it's going to look like um, almost like cardboard. And so it kind of looks like boxes of cardboard up on top of the oh, ceiling. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Do you have a picture, Lindsay? Oh, I totally Googled it. It's so neat. I want to see. <gasps> Don't hug it. It's so cool. Whoa! Oh, it looks oh, it looks like bone marrow. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't think of a way to describe it, but that's exactly they're like <laughs> lattices. I just immediately was thinking about the cannibals who like you know got stuck on ships. It's just we can cut this out of the podcast, but I was I was just hearing about like people who got stuck on ships and like had to eat their crewmates to stay alive, and how um, when they got desperate enough to start sucking the marrow out of the bones is uh, what saved their lives because this. Starving sailors had, like, no fat on their muscles, and so mm. it didn't do anything. But then they sucked the marrow out of the bones, and it saved their life. So all I'm saying is that these caves look like they could save somebody's life. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. That was very not related at all. Um, I just needed you guys to know about the cannibals sucking marrow out of bones. This <laughs> podcast took a weird turn. <laughs> it always happens. It does. Always. Like, without fail. 
Ashley, have you ever cannibalized somebody in desperation when you get lost in a national park? Um, no, I have not. Okay, you wouldn't be obligated to inform us of that because that probably would be illegal. Yeah, I also use Maybe a lot not. of really good apps to keep track of where I am in the national parks and all those kinds of things. So uh, <laughs> let's let's reset that mindset and like yeah. <laughs> and somehow okay. lead into not national parks without cannibalism attached to it. Um. <laughs> I, I have a question. Okay, so I have a question for you, Ashley. You are talking about a lot of different parks from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Have you been to every single national park? Oh, goodness, no. I want to, though. There are 62 national parks. Um, the National Park Service, though, has around 419-ish different units. So that's going to include, you know, like national monuments, um, national Ooh. rivers. National forests. Yeah, national forests. National grasslands. Yep, mm-hmm. national grasslands, um, different historic sites. And interestingly, not all of those, obviously not all of those um, pieces then become national parks, but not all national parks stay national parks. Sometimes they can also get demoted too. (gasps) So, and that's happened a few times in history. Sometimes those parks are then like um, really small and absorbed into the creation of another national park. Other times the parks are really big. And so then they get split into separate units and everything. So, like, in Hawaii, their um, volcanic national park was actually split into two separate volcanic national parks. Oh. Um, Whereas, like, General Grant National Park in California became a larger part of Kings Canyon National Park later. So, sometimes those pieces happen. Other times, um, people will then revisit some of those national park designations. And then we'll go through and be like, "Mm, I don't know if this really technically fits fits this definition of it so for example like um i think abraham lincoln's birthplace used to be a national park and now it's not it's a national historic site that seems to fit a lot better i'm sorry but what is the definition of a national park like how how does a place qualify to be a national park if they have things of like scientific historic kind of value okay um that's part of it but not like the entirety of it hmm part of what kind of confuses me with it is like the Gateway Arch is a national park now. And so it's very different from what you would typically think of as a national park. Because um, typically when we think of national parks, we think of, you know, Yellowstone, White Sands, Great Sand. Dunes. Landscapes. Yeah, landscapes Natural and things places. like that. Um, even things like um, Hot Springs National Park. That mm-hmm. one's a little bit unique because it is very um, urban. But they do still have and protect a lot of those hot springs that are around, too. Um, So Hot Springs National Park is all these bathhouses that are built on top of these different hot springs um, and are fed in through those hot springs and everything. And they also have lots of trails and stuff that you can take and go around and see all these um, different areas and woods and mountains and things like that in Arkansas. A bathhouse? Uh Uh-huh. Yep, they have a row of bathhouses. It's literally called Bathhouse Row. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the area was really popular, um, in like the twenties and thirties with like gangsters and stuff too. They would come in and hang out. I'm a little grossed out by that. Only because Americans don't have like, well, I don't know how that, um, bathhouse operates, but like, I know I've been to other places where they have hot springs and there's like a huge culture around like you have to shower mm-hmm. any every single time before you like set foot in water okay, for good. the health and safety of other people and I don't know that America does that okay well so what they end up doing is right now there's only like one or two of those bathhouses that um, you can still actually like go in and um, explore 
from what I remember, one of them was like a swimming pool type setup. And again, you still had to like shower and all that stuff before. And you had to wear like, make sure that you had like actual bathing suits on and things like that. Mm. You couldn't just wear like whatever clothing and things. Mm -hmm. Um, But with the other bathhouses and how they operated originally was that they would just use that hot spring water to fill tubs or to fill um, like... They looked like these giant um, metal boxes that kind of like your head would stick out of. And it would use like water pressure to then, you know, spray water at you and everything to help, you know, relax muscles. Um, (gasps) Doctors used to go and prescribe going and soaking in these hot springs to help um, with different ailments and joint conditions and things like that. So That's amazing. Fascinating. (laughs) I have – wait, hang on. I'm just – can you still go sit in like an iron lung hot spring and get water sprayed at you to relax your muscles? Or do you only dip in it? Um, so have you I, been there? <laughs> I have been to hot springs. Um, unfortunately, when we went, we didn't have enough time to go through and do like the whole package. Um, so because like I said those different bathhouses, you can go and do like different packages with some of them. Um, like you can have that traditional experience where they go through and they put you in some of the different things that would be very similar to what you would have experienced if you were in the 1920s going through one of those bathhouses. Or you can go to like the pool function of it. Um, or we just went to the visitor center and looked around the bathhouses and took one of the interpretive tours and did a little hiking. So fun. Good. Okay, then I have a follow-up question. Yeah. Are there any fish in the hot springs? Like, is, <gasps> are, is it like question. a wild area or is it like completely like built around? How hot are they? I'm sorry. <laughs> bombarding you. No, you're fine. Wait, I you're brought fine. a book to help. <laughs> I'm not going to know all of the answers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, yeah, I don't expect you to be an expert on national parks, but I'm just so fascinated. Oh, I turned right to it. So no. nice. Here's um, one of the hot springs that they have. So this is actually um, Bathhouse Row is down here. Um, and so this is an example of it. And you can see the steam just rising up. It's the smallest national park. At least at the writing of this book. Yeah. Um, so Gateway Arch is now smaller than it because mm. um, it just it kind of just encompasses the area where the arch is. Yeah. Okay. Um, but before that, uh, Hot Springs was the most was the smallest. That's so cute. And it's also one of the most urban parks too. Interesting. Um, because it's just you literally. It's really, really hard to notice that you're going by a national park when you're just driving down the street in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Because the bathhouses are what you see on the side. So it looks a lot like, you know, old shop fronts and things like that. Okay. Um, But it's also one of the prettiest towns that I've ever been to. Yeah? So, yeah. Of course it's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That's cool. It's we go? Oh yeah, okay. it's not that far. No, it's um, it's only a few hours yeah. and everything. It's not that it's bad. Not far oh, at all. Dang. Um, you could totally do it in like a weekend. Um, they also have it's one of the few places where you can actually collect from the national park. So you oh. can go in and bring little vials and collect water from um specific hot springs and everything to be able to bring home. Um, most parks do not allow you to do that. Yeah. Um, that's very, very illegal in most cases. Um, but they have a special exception for that. And they'll say, you know, like, get your hot spring water here and things like that. So. Wow. I keep imagining that scene from Waterboy where he holds up that little vial and he's like, this is water from a glacier in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> With that 
that accent? It's always cold. <laughs> yeah, he's from the South. Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> okay. I mean, if I had hot spring water, I would do that. Oh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't probably take a while. I wonder but... if it stays hot. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my I'm God, totally Lindsay. kidding. I'm totally kidding. Also, I tried to look up the in the book like uh-huh. what the temperature of the hot springs are, and it doesn't say it in there. Uh, lame. Which Maybe is it okay. fluctuates. It Maybe. is, it it is pretty warm, though, because a lot of those pools are um, open, and they have like little benches and stuff around them. And so when you are sitting next to them, you can feel the steam mm-hmm. and everything coming up by you. Wow. So it's, it's really amazing. That's cool. Yeah, we should definitely go. Okay, we're in. Okay. Can we get the full package? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, whether or not you do, but will you do it with me? Well, yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay. Here are the criteria that a place needs to have or the, yeah, to the criteria that a place needs to meet to be considered to be a national park. Beautiful. Number one, it must possess a unique natural, cultural, or recreational resource. Two, it must be in need of protection and no organization other than the National Park Service would be able to secure adequate protection Mm. three it must be able to be protected (laughs) that's a in parentheses it is suitable and feasible to protect the area so like we probably couldn't put a national park on the moon exactly okay weird that's it those are the criteria so no national parks on ocean floors either um well, technically, you can protect, like, reefs and the ocean and, you know, ocean floors and things like that. Mm. Um, and there are, like, protected bodies of water. Yeah. Like, with, like, pieces of the ocean. Not pieces, but sections of the ocean. Now, if it's protected by the National Park Service, I don't know that. Yeah, there are – some of the – some pieces are. Mm. Um, it also just kind of falls into which organization, again, is helping mm. to protect it. There mm. are some places that are private institutions that are helping to protect things. Um, there are sometimes where it then gets transferred to state or um, even to the federal level. So Fascinating. I want to get back to, like, your personal story with national parks, and I think you – should have expected this question. I'm going to go ahead and answer, ask it. Ask, I'm going to go ahead and ask it. What's your favorite national park you've been to? Yellowstone. <laughs> oh, that was a quick answer. <laughs> you did expect That's it. Awesome. <laughs> yep, Yellowstone is my favorite. Congaree, I, I still love it, but it is towards the bottom of that list. <laughs> so a, a what? Congaree. What is Congaree? It is a uh, national park in South Carolina. Um, it's really, really unique because it does... They thought it was a swamp for the longest time, but it's not. It's um, a floodplain. Um, and I was really, really super excited to get to go and see this national park um, last summer. And the thing that really made me so excited about it is they have a mosquito meter. What? What yep. is that? So outside their visitor center, they have this wooden meter. Um, and it ranges from like zero to, I think, six. And it will tell you how bad the mosquitoes are that day. And <laughs> That's really cute. Who? What poor sucker has to go outside and like, <laughs> how many mosquitoes are there today? <laughs> like, I've only got six on my arm right now. It's not too bad. We'll give it a one. <laughs> mosquitoes are an endangered species. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pleakley. You're welcome. like the highest level of it is war zone um because mosquitoes are so bad and you can actually buy 
fake meters in the gift shop and everything. We got a magnet with a picture of the mosquito meter on it. Um, it's that's it's hilarious. Cool. I'm living for this mosquito meter. That's hilarious and very functional and useful. It like is. it's utilitarian. Yeah. Wait, yeah, is that the word for that? It's very useful. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like. I was super excited and it said it was only at a three, which was supposed to be like not that bad. And I was like, I lived in the Caribbean. Like I am fine with mosquitoes. This is not going to be a problem if it's not that bad. It was not that bad is a very relative term. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Like I had full intention to do like the entire boardwalk loop and do like some extra trails and everything. By the time I was like halfway done, I was like pushing myself to continue the end of the boardwalk loop because I was like, okay, I just, if I finish this, I can get back to the car and get away from these mosquitoes. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Wow. But at the same time, the scenery was so beautiful because you're walking along this boardwalk and there are just all these tall trees covering um, the path. So it's nice and shaded. There's little um, like skinks running around. There are all these gorgeous orb weavers with these giant webs everywhere. It was a really, really pretty area. Um, there was just a lot of mosquitoes. And when you got to the end of the boardwalk, um, it overlooks this um, kind of like a marshy, rivery area. And there were all these little like scissor tail flycatchers coming down and trying to eat all the mosquitoes. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> flying everywhere. So it was great. Um, but yeah, just, just because of the mosquitoes, I think it's going to be kind of lower on that list. But that was part of the draw. Yeah. Initially, yeah. <laughs> Until you realized the I, scale of the meter. <laughs> I really overestimated my mosquito tolerance, and that uh-huh. was with repellent, too. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So they were pretty cool. And there was, like, this really neat wasp's nest right um, near the edge of the boardwalk and everything. Ooh. So I, like, spent way too much time trying to, like, photograph the wasps and everything. <laughs> so... <laughs> You might be a naturalist if. (laughs) It's fine. I spent 20 minutes with a bumblebee this morning. There were tons of mushrooms, too. As I was going around, I was trying to, like, find all these mushrooms. I'm like, oh, Lindsay would love this. And, oh, Ashley. (laughs) That's so cute. so nice. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, everybody who knows Lindsay thinks of her every time we see a mushroom, though. Um, So that's low on your list. Does that make it your least favorite national park? experience let's add that word on there i'm gonna be honest gateway arch is probably my least favorite national park that's fair so it's probably like second to last (laughs) okay is that in st louis yeah Yeah, it's it's like the the arch in st louis yeah okay it's not like a a natural monument with like the archways yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i thought yeah i just don't ever i always hear it referred to as the arch not gateway arch yeah yeah i had to clarify that yeah, I'm just, I'm terrified of heights, so Ooh. there is no way you could ever get me up in that elevator to the top on that thing, so. Mm. I've been up there, have you? Mm-mm. Oh, it was I've wild. only driven by it, I've never <laughs> been to it. It has a nice museum, though, so it's really cool, the, the Visitor Center Museum. The Visitor Center Museum is really cool. Mm. I, I did enjoy that, but yeah, it's very strange being that high up. Like, I, it's been so long that I don't really remember, but I feel like you could feel the arch, like, moving slightly in the breeze, you know? Oh, yeah, that's that's what I was told. And so that just cemented the deal that I was not going up in it. Yeah, I would like I'm I'm somewhat afraid of heights. I can usually talk myself out of it, but I feel like 
I could get myself into the elevator and go up and we'd get like halfway up and I would just like freeze. Yeah. Every muscle in my body would just like yeah. lock up and I wouldn't be able to move or get off the elevator. Yeah, I exactly. I feel like it would be really traumatizing for me. <laughs> exactly. So I figured it was better to avoid that experience and have a positive memory of the arch than, than go through that and be like, I'm never going back here again. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably a good <laughs> Probably a good move. But it's still your least favorite, so you could have at least tried to make it, like, the worst experience ever. (laughs) (laughs) See, when I visited it, I didn't know it was going to become a national park. Oh. So. Okay. 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 I'll have to go back and just help to cement that in last place then. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It'll be worth the trauma. (laughs) Jeez. Um, We also did Great Smoky Mountains. So with Smoky Mountains, they have the highest concentration of black bears um, of <laughs> anywhere in North or the United States. And Is it so, like one per square mile? Two. It's two, two per okay. square mile. Okay. I knew yeah. it was. I knew it was dense. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. So it was. It was awesome. I was like, I'm gonna see a bear. This is gonna be fantastic. I was there like a full day before I even like saw a bear and it just happened to like run in front of the street and everything and then it disappeared really quickly and we only saw like two three bears the entire time we were there so it was kind of sad I was like oh I thought I was gonna see like bears everywhere (laughs) (laughs) just waving at you on the side of the road it's probably a good thing you didn't see that many bears, though, because that would be a little alarming <laughs> if they were, like, so habituated to humans that they were just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the problem is is that when we were there, like, I know that um, a lot of times people are not necessarily super aware of um, the space that animals need and the best practices for mm. how to um, engage safely um, when you are in a national park or just in wildlife in general. And so there was one part where um, we had stopped the car because there was just like a massive traffic jam and everyone was exiting their car to go and see something. Oh, no. No. And they were all standing underneath a tree with a bear underneath it. You're kidding me. And I was just, I was so frustrated and so mad because you could still see that bear if you were standing the correct distance away. You could get plenty of pictures of it, no problem. And... For me, that was really one of my first times seeing that kind of stuff manifest when I'd been to other national parks. um, People had always been really good at making sure that when they stopped for wildlife, they were, you know, staying that correct distance and everything. Um, So for me, that was kind of like a really sad experience to get to see. Um, But at the same time, I know that's not going to be every visitor. Mm -hmm. Um, You're also in that uh, park that is the most visited in the entire country. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people coming in um, that may not be aware of some of those things. Um, So it's really important that when we are visiting our national parks that we're making sure that we're staying that hundred yards away from bears and bison and elk and things like that, giving them that space, making sure we're cleaning up our campsites so that way then they're not being attracted into that. Um, Because what we don't want is that wildlife being habituated to people and then ending up with um, that being a negative um, time for that particular animal. Mm -hmm. So... And it's just, it's really important to make sure that we're being aware of those things. Yeah. 
When you are ranking national parks in your mind, like, you know, as a national park aficionado should do, um, <laughs> do, you, do you factor in, like, uh, your experience with fellow visitors and your experience with, like, interpretive guides and the cleanliness of the parks and the upkeep and that kind of thing? Or is it – or do you focus mainly on, like, the, the kinds of landscapes or, or the resource that's there that's the focus of the park and that's being protected? Um, I kind of take all of that into consideration. So it really also varies from park to park. Um, what I found is that, again, 99% of the visitors to the national parks are really, really awesome. Um, and I think that the people that don't necessarily follow some of the rules just might not be aware of them. Yeah. Um, so I try not to let those pieces really um, affect it as much. Um, but I really like looking at, you know, what kind of programs do they have for, you know, like tours and interpretive experiences? What kind of trails are there? Um, just in, in general, you know, when I'm there, what kind of experience did I have? Um, I can also have like a very unique and memorable experience that might not necessarily be entirely positive and still be super stoked for that park yeah um, or that particular area like when um, my best friend and i were going camping um, to get to yellowstone we went up through nebraska across to south dakota and then across to wyoming montana um and we stayed in custer state park um and it was it was amazing like they're supposed to be one of the best wildlife viewing um places in the country oh, wow we didn't see a whole lot <laughs> but that's fine um i woke up in the middle of the night i think it was like 3 a.m and i could hear something like moving around the tent and it had been raining the entire night so our rain flap was like down mm. I don't know what it was because I was, you know, I didn't want to like open the thing, the tent and like startle whatever it was because we knew that bison might come into the campsite and mm -hmm. things like that. Whatever it was then proceeded to pee on our tent. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's funny. So that next morning I was pretty tired because I wanted to make sure that I was awake and I was, you know, able to kind of, you know, monitor the situation as much as possible. And my best friend the next morning, she's like, why didn't you wake me up? And I was oh. like, well, we couldn't both be tired. One of us had to drive. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was just a weird experience. And for me, it's one of my favorite memories. So oh, that's amazing. So you said that it had rained. Did yeah. you ever, did you like look around for tracks or any sign of what that animal might've been? We tried, um, we didn't see a whole lot. We also, um, our phones didn't necessarily adjust to the time difference. And so when we were traveling, we were getting up like at dawn to mm. go and start packing up the tent and get ready and go. Um, so we ended up getting to some of these places like an hour before it actually opened when we were oh. planning on getting there like right at opening time. And so some of those pieces it was also great because then we would sit out and we would have the morning to sit on the, you know, the car hood and eat breakfast and watch the sunrise over like the Badlands and the prairie and things like oh, that. That's and so cool. that was just so amazing. And it wouldn't have happened if our phones had woken us up at the correct time. Yeah. So hmm. I might just talk about this book if that's okay yeah because please. i am i am also really obsessed with this book so um my absolute favorite guide to the national parks is your guide to the national parks wow <laughs> yeah 
lovely name. It's by Michael Joseph Oswald. Um, I am not paid to endorse this book, um, but I absolutely love it. But so, Ashley does take sponsorships, so if you're out there listening to this podcast, uh, get in contact with us and we'll get you hooked up with Ashley. Yeah, okay. I don't mind, you know, like putting, like having my car, like NASCAR and everything, having all the different, you know, book sponsorships for national parks and things <laughs> on the side, getting those tattoos, you know. Oh, heck. Um, <laughs> so when my best friend and I first decided to go to the national parks, I didn't know that this book existed. So I spent every night after work at the library researching all of the national parks that we were going to go to, researching like the best routes to get there, the weird attractions that were along the way and everything, um, which by the way, if you're going through South Dakota, stop at Wall Drug Store because they have this massive um, stone jackalope that you can actually um, like get on for like a photo op and everything. It is, it is hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It's, it's I know it's this it's called a drugstore, but it is like this just massive area of all these tiny little like tourist trap souvenir shops and everything, but it also has like a chapel in it and it has like a little mini water park, like splash pad kind of thing. Oh my gosh. And a sculpture garden. It is a wow. weird, weird store and I love it. Um, <laughs> As a tourist, I cannot wait to get trapped there. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. But like I was doing all of that research by myself. And so I ended up composing what I lovingly called my travel binder. Aww. It was it was about like three inches thick and it was massive. And it had all of the trails. Um, so when I went to university, I had a professor that was really big into like species list. Mm -hmm. And so anytime we went on a field trip, we had to like create a species list. And so my best friend it does not have a uh, naturalist background. And she really still wanted to learn about all those different animals. So I went to all of the, like, the guides and everything, and I created a possible species list. Oh. So then we could take it with us and, like, check off the animals we were seeing to make it a little bit easier. Um, in hindsight, I probably could have just ordered a field guide. <laughs> But, but think how much more cool. you learned by having to, like, put it together yourself. Yeah, yeah. So that was more fun. Um, and, you know, we had a great time going around and doing all these things. But, man, that was a lot of work to make that travel binder. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and so then last summer when I was out traveling, I was in the, um, I think it was the Smoky Mountains or Mammoth Cave gift shop, and I saw this book. Hmm. And it has all of the work that I would have been doing already done for me. So hey, it has all holly. the cool restaurants to stop at. It has all of the cool things that are in the areas. And I went back through the book to all the parks that I had planned out myself with all my different little travel binders. And it was like, you want to take this hike and you want to stop at this campground and you want to go here. And I'm like, I've done that and I've done that and I've done that. So this, this means that I'm doing the right thing. And so this guidebook then means that you know like it's okay in my in my book so ashley certified <laughs> the experience ashley herself would have created if she still made binders exactly God, it just is... makes it so much easier <laughs> the the only drawback is that because the alaska national parks are not um as frequented as much as like say smoky mountains and yellowstone and things like that and to be honest, you need to, like, charter a plane to be able to get to a lot mm -hmm. of those national parks. Mm -hmm. The section in there, um, 
I was hoping for just a tiny bit more because the original plan before COVID was to go and um, hit a bunch of those Alaska national parks this summer. Mm. Um, but that's okay. We rescheduled and everything. We'll go again. Um, they're not going anywhere. So it's better to be safe. Yeah. Agreed. So, oh, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So I know that this podcast is called That's My Favorite. But, Ashley, I want to know what your least favorite thing about national parks is. Ooh. Oh, that is such a good question. <laughs> I think my least favorite thing about the national parks is that there is not an official national park here in Kansas. Mm. Like, we have um, the Tallgrass Prairie Preserve, which is managed by the National Park Service. But I really wish that there was a national park just right in my own backyard that I could drive like a couple hours to. Um, so that's probably my least favorite thing. So if you're in Kansas and want to help make a national park and everything, I am totally on board for you to do that because that'd be amazing. Yeah, it really would. Get your criteria. Shouldn't shouldn't the tall grass prairie as preserved here in Kansas qualify as a national park? You'd think, but I don't know why. I, like, I don't know. Why it wouldn't fit in that criteria. Part of it also has to do with funding. Um, So that has to do with a bit of it. You also have to show that you have the visitor capacity and everything Mm. for it, too, um, in some cases. So there are national parks where it took a while for them to actually get that national park status Mm. because people didn't believe that, you know, people would actually want to go to these places. Mm. In some cases, even when um, European settlers were moving across um, the United States and everything and just uh, finding some of these places for the first time for them, um, they were writing back to, like, the East Coast and telling people about these parks, and no one was believing them. There Mm. were magazines when um, mountain men were trying to write back and explain what Yellowstone looked like. There were magazines that were um, denying them publication, saying, sorry, we don't publish fiction. Um, oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. So because some of these places are so unique and so amazing, they didn't believe that they existed. Mm. Um, it wasn't until people started to have like um, designated uh, expeditions into some of these areas to mm-hmm. try and see if those rumors are true or not. That then people were like, oh my gosh, this is real. Um, and bringing along painters and um, photographers and things like that to take back those images to really make people go, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and that really helped to kind of spur some of that protection. That's wild. You know so much about the history behind the national parks themselves. Thank you. I watched a documentary recently on Did it. You? <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. What was the documentary? Yeah. Um, it's actually on PBS. Um, for They have it on their website. You can stream it for free on there. It's called um, National Parks, America's Best Idea. It's a Ken Burns Ooh. documentary. Mm. It goes into, like, the entire history of the national parks, like, the good and the not so good. Um, it also goes into how um, – there's a lot of debate around, you know, protecting land throughout that time period mm. um, and how when we made the very first national park in the whole world, they didn't really think of it as this huge, amazing thing. Mm. It was just like, okay, well, that's done. Um, and it was Yellowstone, right? Yep, it was yeah. Yellowstone. Um, so Yosemite was actually designated a protected space before Yellowstone, um, but Yosemite was um, in control of the uh, state of California 
Whereas Yellowstone, when it was created, all of the areas that it now encompasses were then just territories. They weren't actual states. Mm -hmm. Um, So it became a national park because there wasn't a state government to really take it over. Fascinating. That's really cool. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, same. Documentary. Um, Since Yellowstone was like the first national park, do you happen to know off the top of your head the most recent one? Um, So that was the gate. No, that was White Sand Dunes. White Sand Dunes. Mm -hmm. In New Mexico. And that was just like a couple years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was last year. Last year? Maybe. Okay. Um, and then the one right before that was Indiana Sand Dunes. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was it was last year, like the end of last year. Mm. Um, because I went up to Indiana Sand Dunes and Great Sand Dunes in Colorado in November of last year. Um and I was super excited. I was like, okay, we've got all of the sand dune areas taken care of. Like, we've got that part. And then they made White Sands um, National Monument into a national park. And so I'm like, oh, one more sand dunes left. So <laughs> That's really cool. I've never been to any of the sand dunes. You haven't? Mm-mm. Have you been to South Dakota? Uh, when I was very tiny tot, and I mm. don't remember it. So If you get a chance, definitely do um, the great sand dunes because – you come over, you know, like the, it's not really like a mountain per se, but you kind of come over this little hill and the, all the San Juan mountains are kind of along the side and kind of in the background. And it looks almost like, you know, part of the mountain. And then you realize that it's just sand (laughs) and it's, it's so amazing. And when we went there, people like skiing down the sand dunes, um, you can sled down them in certain places as well. Um, as we were hiking back to the visitor center, there was um, this herd of like 10 mule deer that just kind of came out of the scrubby brush and mm-hmm. everything. It was amazing. That's so That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. There was, uh, we took this road up to Zapata Falls, which is not necessarily like in that particular park per se. It's part of like the overlying like protective area as well, but it's not like part of the national park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um the road to get up there is very, very rocky. Um, so if your car's not really great at handling rocky roads, it might not be for you. Okay. It kind of looks like people just like put boulders down and we're like, ah, eh, erosion will make this gravel eventually. Oh man. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty rocky. Um, but that was part of the adventure. And the trail itself is only like a half mile. And so we get up to the waterfall and we're like, I don't know maybe like 100 200 feet from the waterfall mm-hmm. and we start to smell cat urine uh. <laughs> and we're just kind of like okay that doesn't you know it just means that you know something has passed through doesn't necessarily mean you know right now we're going to be very very aware and we're going to you know start heading back yeah as we're heading back down the trail and everything there's some very very fresh scat <gasps> on the trail oh my that was not there when we went up. <gasps> Holy oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have ever made it back to a car faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Dude. So that, was, <sighs> that was definitely very interesting. And, you know, just being, again, we were hiking in pairs and everything, being aware of our surroundings. Um, we made sure to, you know, like, stop and look around every, you know, few steps to make sure that, you know, nothing was in the area um those kinds of things yeah (laughs) just to be safe um so we did want to you know be as safe as possible but 
when you're hiking, you do have to be aware of those things. Um, I knew someone that they ended up going and doing kind of like a gap year almost sort of thing where they fixed up a van and went around and did all kinds of like park tours and stuff. And they posted a picture where, you know, in the morning they woke up and there was a mountain lion footprint right in front of their campsite. Um, So you do have to be aware, especially if you're camping in the backcountry, that wildlife is around. Mm -hmm. And that's also a good thing because we almost lost all of those predators, um, and a lot of our non-predators too. Um, the Bison Yellowstone National Park was the only place in the continental United States where there was a continuous herd of bison. Mm. Um, and that's because of that park protection and those park boundaries. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why Yellowstone was protected was to help give those bison a refuge to have. Mm. Um, so we, we almost lost them. Wolves were eliminated. Um, one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is that the national parks you could still go and hunt predators um, up until, you know, like the 20s and 30s and 40s. Wow, that's um, So it was, even though they were protecting the parks, there was not as much um, conservation knowledge about how those ecosystems really interact with those top predators mm-hmm. and how important they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so when wolves were reintroduced to Yellowstone in the 90s, you started to see that ecosystem change back into how it's supposed to be um the elk were um kept in check a little bit better because they now had a predator again Mm -hmm. and so then that allowed for better plant diversity which allowed for better bird diversity and just all kinds of different stuff so really really awesome that they're reintroduced and they're trying to do that in other areas and stuff too yeah it's a really good example of conservation Mm -hmm. at its finest yeah really (sighs) That was a really good note to, like, end on if there's not any... Um... I think it was. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Turn the tall, tall grass prairie preserve into a national park. I think that'd be fantastic. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> this is an actionable conclusion to our podcast with Ashley Locke, uh, the national park's biggest fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a great way to describe her. <laughs> that might end up being the name of the podcast episode. <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. I would not argue with that. So perfect. <laughs> Ashley Locke stands national parks, <laughs> featuring Ashley Locke. Featuring <laughs> Ashley Locke. That's so funny. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, Should we do the outro? Check out our show notes on gpnc.org/slash/that's-my-favorite-hyphen. Period. Thanks to our producers, the Great Plains Nature Center. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review. We'll be back in a couple weeks with more favorites because everything's our favorite. Come to the park side. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>